seated this morning. I'm going to read Pastor's text for him today. It comes from Romans 11, 16 through 28. Romans 11, 16 through 28. This is what it says. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and then partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root of thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God, of them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut off the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to the nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all, all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is the, my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are our enemies for, our, for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Let us pray. Lord, we've said it several times, but it is good to be gathered in your house. It is good to be in your word. And I pray for a liberty, for the word of God to be spoken, Lord. I pray that our hearts be ready to receive that which you have for us today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. My goal this morning is to try to slow down a little bit and teach to you, but it's very difficult on this subject because this is one of my favorite subjects to actually preach on. It's something that I have studied a lot. It's something that I have... Uh, put a lot of time in over the years, and so sometimes I want to chase those rabbits, and I'll try not to do that today. But I do want to try to teach what the Lord is speaking to us in these last day events that's taking place in our land. First of all, I want to talk to you about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in relationship to the rapture of the church and when that rapture is actually going to take place. The promise of the second coming of Christ is very clear within Scripture. We don't have to doubt it. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, the Bible says, Therefore be ye ready also as in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. The scripture says that the Lord's going to come in such an hour when you think not. And then the Bible tells us in Matthew 25 and 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. There's one thing for sure is that we don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but I want to tell you we do know that he's coming again. That is a fact. Can I have an amen? But we also know the seasons. Titus 3 and 5 says, uh, looking for that blessed hope in the 
glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The second coming is a glorious event for the church. It's a glorious event for the saints. It was Paul that wrote about the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 starting with verse 13. He said, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep that you shall not, even them which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus God will bring with him. For this we declare unto you by the word of the Lord that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised, and we shall also, and they, sh- and we shall, me- and that we shall meet them in the those of us in the air, and th- therefore comfort one another with these words. How many believe that Jesus Christ is coming back after His church? Can you say Amen? Praise the name of them this morning. But this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about how Israel is God's super sign of the end time. Actually, when you study biblical prophecy, you're going to find out that it's divided into what we would call three major areas or three major categories. First of all, there's the nations itself representing the Gentiles' nations, all of the nations of the world. And then there is the one single nation of Israel, which is God's elect in Scripture. And also in the Old Testament, he's called, they're called God's wife. Also, we have the New Testament church, and which is called God's chosen, and which is also called the bride of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So out of these three categories mentioned, more detail is given concerning God's future plans for Israel as a nation than for all of the Gentile nations and all of the church put together. Even though that we are the heart of God, we are the apple of God's eye, yet more things is shown in Scripture and more detail is mentioned about Israel in Scripture than any other people groups of the earth. And when we try to spiritualize the promises of Israel and relate them to the church itself, which is done too often by many, too many people are trying to take the prophecies that was to Israel alone and spiritualize them to make them relate or to fit the New Testament church. And when this happens, the prophetic uniqueness of Israel is interjected and merged unrealistic within the church. Out of the three categories mentioned, Israel is the one that we've got to keep our eye on. This puts a lot of times when we begin to try to put the church and Israel together and we look at those prophecies and we try to merge them together, this puts the New Testament church in places that does not that is not biblically correct in scripture. This is why that we have so many different doctrines and opinions and beliefs when it comes to when the church will be raptured and when that rapture is actually taking place. We have people that believe in pre-trapture, we have people that believe in post-rapture, and we have people that believe in mid-rapture. And it's all because the way that we look at Israel and how we begin to try to personalize or spiritualize Israel and the church being linked together. Can I tell you that even though the church is referred to in the scripture as spiritual Israel, yet the church does not take the place of Israel. I do not believe in what they call replacement theology. The church in this dispensation is not a, 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 a is not Israel. It is, I want you to know, a Gentile church. Can you say that? Can you say that with me? It's a Gentile church. It is made up mainly of Gentiles. The promises and prophecies that is strictly made to Israel cannot be manipulated into trying to fit the church. But if we handle scripture carefully and rightly divide it, we can see that God has amazing and blessed future planned for individual Jews and the nation of Israel itself, which is assigned to us as the New Testament church. Israel is our sign. If we keep our eye upon Israel, it'll tell us the timetable in which we are going to be raptured out of the church. Israel is the prophetic radar. It is the prophetic indicator, the prophetic revelation of God to the church concerning the rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. This is why the scripture indicates that if we want to know where, where we're headed as a church, simply keep our eye upon what God is doing with Israel and where Israel is at. We got to keep an eye upon that nation. This is why that Matthew chapter 24, which is known as the uh, uh, prophecy chapter of the end times, uh, verses 32 to 34, Jesus himself said this. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, talking about Israel. Everybody knows that Israel in the scripture in the Old Testament was referred to many, many times by the fig tree. Joe said that Israel is the fig tree. He makes it plain so you don't have to worry about it. He says, then learn a parable of Israel is what he's saying. When the branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, ye shall know that the summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till you see all things fulfilled. Now the Bible literally tells us that when Israel became a nation, when it put forth its buds, when it put forth its, uh, its leaves, talking about it becoming a nation, that that generation will still be alive when all of these things be fulfilled, talking about Matthew 24. And so all of the things that he's talking about at that point in Matthew chapter 24 is from the time that we are living now, talking all the way through the tribulation to the time that Jesus comes back and puts his foot down upon the earth and establishes his millennial kingdom and his kingdom begins to reign. So we're talking about, Jesus is saying, he's saying, I want you to know that when the tribulation is over, when it's all said and done, there will still be people living that was living the time that Israel became a nation. And let me tell you, look that up right now. The Israel became a nation in 1948. Folks, that was 73 years ago. Add seven years to the tribulation to that because he said there's still going to be some of them still alive after the tribulation period. That They're going to be alive when all of these things are fulfilled. That means that they would be 80 years old if the tribulation began right now and was over here in seven years. And let me tell you, that does not leave very much time for them to live before the rapture of the church actually takes place. All I can tell you is, folks, you better be ready because we're living at the very end of the end time. We are living at what we call the last moment, the midnight hour of the dispensation of the church. Can I have an amen in this place? I want to tell you right now, that already through the prophetic word this group is, should be already 80 years old if you add the seven years to it so that means folks people don't live past 80 very often can I have an amen? There'll be a big part, part, part of that generation still living when all these things be fulfilled. In order to know the end time events, you have to know and to keep your eye upon Israel. That's why that Paul wrote in our text in the book of Romans eleven twenty five. He said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. What mysteries he's talking about? He's talking about the mystery of Israel. That's the mystery. Israel as a nation is a mystery. God's promises to Abraham and Israel are unconditional and guaranteed through the various subsequent covenants that he made with them in the Old Testament. However, when you begin to read biblical prophecy about Israel, sometimes they seem to not make sense because it seems that the different prophets contradict one another in their prophecies. As a matter of fact, that happens a lot of times at the end time because you'll have one guy talk about the second coming of Christ. You'll talk about how the Lord will 
be upon the earth ruling and reigning and you'll have another one that says he hovers in the sky. You'll have one calling it the blessed event. You'll have another one called the horrible day of the Lord. You'll hear one of them say he's going to come in a twinkling of an eye in a moment. He's going to snatch you away and you're not even going to be able to see him. And the other times that says that behold they shall see him whom they perished. Well does the prophets contradict one another? No. You got to understand biblical prophecy. First of all I want you to understand that every time a prophet gets up and prophesies about the second coming you got to understand which part of the second coming that he's prophesying about. And can I tell you that there is one event but the but the, the second coming is in two parts. It's just like a ball game. Eight innings constitute, or nine innings uh, constitute a baseball game. Can I have an amen? Four quarters make up a basketball game. It's just like in the time of the second coming. The second coming is in two parts, but it makes up one event. The first part is when Jesus Christ comes out of the sky and he blows the trump and the voice of the archangel is going to be heard and the dead in Christ is going to rise up and he's up in the heavens and, the, and we're all going to be caught up together and meet him in the air. That constitutes the first part of the second coming. But the second part is when he comes back down and he puts his foot upon the Mount of Olives and it splits to the north to the south and he goes into that eastern gate that's been all shut up and said the Messiah won't come through here. He'll blow a hole through that eastern gate. He'll walk in. He'll set up his kingdom. He'll go to the temple and put up, set up on the throne and he will rule as king of kings and lords of lords. He'll set up his millennial kingdom and he will rule and reign for a thousand years. With a rod of iron. Can I have an amen? Somebody in agreement with me here this morning? But even so, there seems to be contradictions among the prophets when it comes to talking about Israel and its regathering. Because you got to understand something that, that, again, when you begin to read, you got to understand which prophet is prophesying about which part of a regathering of Israel. Because there are two regatherings of Israel within Scripture. From the very beginning, before the Jews ever set one foot in the promised land, we have the prophecies that clarify and give a picture of a definite pattern for Israel. Israel's future history of being scattered and dispersed throughout all of the land, throughout all of the earth. Listen to Deuteronomy 4.27. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left, few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. Before they ever received the promise, they had already had a prophecy hanging over their heads predicting their failure and their dispersion. Can you imagine that? Here's God, and before they ever even go into the promised land and secure it, God's saying, oh, you're going to go in and you're going to secure the promised land but before you're over you're going to be scattered to the four corners of the earth and you're going to be few in number and you're going to dwell among the heathens. Can you imagine? What if God told you yes you're going to be saved and yes you're going to be forgiven but before it's over with you're going to fail and you're going to go. That's why Paul you know when he's on the road to Damascus God showed him all of the things that he should suffer for his name's sake. I thank God that God did not show me the future of what Kent Miller would go through. I don't think I could handle it. But he showed Israel from the very beginning. He said, yes, you're going to go into the land. But before, you, uh, uh, before they ever even go in there, he tells them of their future dispersion. The threat, uh, the, the threat of the dispersion of Israel throughout the nations appears earlier even in the Mosaic law. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 26, 33. And I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you and your land shall be desolate and your cities lie waste. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 64. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all the people from the 
end of the earth, even to the other, and there shalt thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. He said, I'm going to take you from one part of the earth to the other part of the earth. You're going to dwell among heathens. You're going to serve their gods that you don't even know. It was Nehemiah that said in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 8, remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, Israel, I will scatter you among the people. And that's exactly what God done. We see similar prophecies all throughout the scripture. We could give more and more and more of the and they keep reoccurring about how that God prophesied to Israel that they would be scattered to the four winds of the earth. However, we cannot confuse the captivity of Israel and them taken to exile as the actual scattering because we have to recognize that the captive, the capture of the northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians in the 8th century BC and the captivity to Babylon in the 6th century BC did not constitute the worldwide scattering mentioned in Bible prophecy. They were not scattered to the four corners of the earth. Yes, they were led away captive. Yes, they were put in bondage, but they were not scattered during those two events to the four corners of the earth. A lot of people said, well, when they got, when the Babylonian captivity took place, they were scattered. No, they were not. They were not scattered. And so we got to understand that did not constitute the scattering that God was prophesying. When did this take place? The fulfillment of scattering the biblical prophecy of Israel did not occur until the nation's rejection of Christ and God's judgment came upon them in AD 70. Christ himself spoke of the current 2,000 year dispersion of Israel in his prophecy when he prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem and this is what he said in Luke 21, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all of the nations of the world and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now here we see that way back there in the Mosaic law, way back there in the law, in the book of Deuteronomy even, way before the law, we see that there, this prophecy was saying you're going to be scattered Israel to the four corners of the earth. They went through the different kinds of captivities, the different kinds of bondages, but that prophecy did not come fulfilled until Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD and Christ him prophesied at that point, this is the dispersion that is going to happen and the Jews at that particular time were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Can I have an amen? And when the Jews were rejected and the Gentile church then came on the scene due to Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ. That's when you and I were birthed into the church, you might say. The Gentile church came on the scene as, a, as, a, as, as this nation of Israel rejected Christ. This is when the natural branches, Israel, were rejected and broken off. And we, the Gentiles, the wild olive tree was grafted in. That's what this whole text that I read about. The natural branches being Israel. They were cut off. Because they were cut off, we, the Gentiles, being symbolic of the wild olive tree was grafted into the good tree, Jesus Christ. God spared not the natural branches, speaking of Israel, and this is when the church became a Gentile church instead of the church being, a, being the nation of Israel. Jesus came into his own and his own received him not, according to John chapter 1, verse 11. So then he reached out to whosoever will. Now let me tell you that this. We now have become what? A nation of priests. We are the New Testament church. We are a Gentile church because of the rejection of the Jews. We have been grafted in, and now we have become a kingdom of priests. 
That's what Paul Peter said, did he not say? He said that uh, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Understand, prior to us becoming a kingdom of priests, Israel was a nation of priests. That was the goal from the very beginning. But due to their sin and due to the rebellion, we know about all, I can't go in and preach all of it, but it came to a point when the golden calf was there that Moses came down from off of the mount, broke the commandments, judgment came upon Israel. And from that time on, it was the tribe, uh, it was the tribe of Levi that became the, the, king, the, 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 the tribe of priests. But before then, it was God's idea for for the whole nation of Israel to be the priesthood who would perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ upon the earth. It was never intended for us Gentiles to be the one that would be the kingdom of priests. God's intention was, I am going to set up Israel as a nation of priests. It was God's will to save us. It was God's will all the time. His plan was to save the world, but he's going to do it through the ministry and the priesthood of Israel as a nation but they failed God and the priesthood was taken away and now you and I have picked up the mantle of priesthood. You and I are priests for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to hurry. This is why that Paul said in our text in Romans eleven twenty two, 22. Behold therefore the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity. Who fell? What, where did severity fall? It fell on Israel. Judgment. The severity of God. They were cut off. But he said, but toward thee, you Gentiles, goodness came. God was hard on Israel, but he was easy on you. As a matter of fact, he goes on and says, if you continue in my goodness, other words, you shall be cut off. Now let me just stop right here and say this. It is the goodness of God to whereby we are saved. Amen. It's by the grace of God. God looked down at Israel. He had a belly full of it. He had belly full of their idolatry, their sin, their rebellion. Their, he called them stiff-necked, stubborn people. Come on. And he cut them off. said, you're no longer going to be the nation of priests that I wanted you to be in order to perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ. He cut them off. Then he raised up the Gentile church. He gave them the commission to become the priesthood of Christ, all of us. And then it was the goodness of God that was turned to us while the severity of God went to them. How many knows what Romans 2 and 4 says? Why despisest thou his goodness or forbearance, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance? That you and I are saved by the goodness of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ because of the goodness of God. He said, don't boast about the branch. He said, you don't have anything to boast about. If you're going to boast about something, boast about the root. He said, because it is the root that you are grafted into and it's the root in which you are to boast because he is the one that secures your salvation. Can I have an amen? You can't boast about who you are. I can't boast about who I am. I can't even boast about what the palace of praise is. My boast is in the Lord. Can I have an amen? Who made heaven and earth and who saved me by divine grace? We don't have anything to boast about it other than our maker and other than our creator and other, uh, no other than our Messiah, no other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because it's the goodness of God that we are saved. Can I have an amen? I hope I can get through with this. Notice in the midst of this prophecy, God includes an underlining hope of restoration. I'll try to slow down a little bit. I know I'm going fast, but I got a lot to say. The day I don't have a lot to say, you be bearing me. And Jenny said, you'll still try to have the last word somehow. You'll kick the casket or something. 
Amen. But notice that Jesus in his prophecy used the word until. Notice this. He said, talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. They will fall by the edge of the sword. Talking about the Israelite people, the Jews. They'll be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. Until, say the word until. That is an important word. Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now the word until here means that the dispersion will not last forever. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that when God corrects you that your correction is not forever, though it may seem like it is at times? i tell you one thing. My dad would take me out in the woodshed and it lasted about uh, maybe a minute and 30 seconds, but it felt like it lasted an hour. Can I have an amen? And here's God telling Israel, I am going to put you through the woodshed. I'm going to put you through a time of correction. But he said, uh, there is uh, until there till the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The word until here means that the dispersion is not going to last forever, that there was a promise and prophecy here that eventually the dispersion of Israel will come to an end. He said you're going to have a regathering. The biblical account for God's program with Israel was that they would enter into the promised land under Joshua. Then they would eventually be turned away from the Lord, be expelled from the land, scattered among the heathen according to the word, But in that same biblical prophecy, we have the promise that God would not forget them and that he would regather them back together again. Why? Because he made a covenant to Abraham. And God's covenant to Abraham was an everlasting covenant. And God does not lie. He is faithful to his promises. Whatever God said, he'll do. And it looks like that all those promises will never come to pass, even to this day. It does not seem like that the promises, the Abrahamic covenant, that the promises that God made through the Abrahamic covenant upon Israel do not seem to be activated today. But can I tell you, there will come a day that you're gonna see God keep his promise to Abraham and Israel will be regathered together again and you're gonna see them as a holy priesthood one more time before this thing is over with. Can I have an Amen. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27 through 31. Very important passage. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left, you in number, among the heathen, whether the Lord shall deliver you. And there you shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor smell nor eat. In other words, they're lifeless. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with your whole heart and with your whole soul. Listen to verse 30. When thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, neither forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Now notice here, it is very evident that God will regather Israel one more time and he even gives them the timetable in his prophecy when he's going to do it. It will be even in the latter days during the time of the tribulation. Look at verse 30. And when thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, then he promises to restore them. He promises them to bring them together and he promises to make them a nation of redeemed people. Now, if we as pre-tribulation believers, how many believe pre-trib in here? I hope you do because I believe I can prove that. How many believe in pre-trib? Come on, wave at me. Let me see your hands. 
We believe that Jesus Christ is coming to get his church before the tribulation period. But if we as pre-tribulation believers believe that we will be raptured after, after the gathering of Israel, and if this is one of the signs of the times according to the book of Matthew chapter 24, and it is, says, you know, when you see Israel gather, know that the time is near and these things are going to come to pass. If Israel is gathered during the tribulation according to this prophecy, then it looks like that the church is going to be going through the tribulation. Did not Jesus say, I'm going to regather Israel. When I regather Israel, that's going to be a sign to you that all these things are going to have to be fulfilled before they die or check out. But then here, this prophet, see, prophesies that the regathering of Israel would take place when? During the tribulation. So does that mean that we, the church, is going to go through the tribulation, then after Israel is regathered, then we will be raptured out in the midst of the tribulation? That's what some people teach. But it appears to leave the church going through the tribulation period. We have to realize that there are dozens of biblical passages that predict an end-time regathering of Israel. But we must also realize that we cannot lump all of these passages into one fulfillment, especially in relationship to the modern state of Israel. Because there are two end-time gatherings of Israel recorded within prophecies. I'm going to skip about three or four pages of notes right here and just give you a simple overview. Is that all right? Can I tell you the first regathering of Israel is a regathering of the agnostics, the unbelievers, the atheists as a whole. Did you know that Israel is agnostic, that many of them are atheists and most of them are unbelievers to this day? Can I have an amen? The first regathering is going to be a regathering of Israel in an unregenerated form. That's what we are seeing right now before our very eyes. Can I tell you that right now as I speak, people from all over the world are going back to Israel and they don't even know why. Jews from one end of the earth to the other are going back to Israel. And as a whole, they're agnostic. But can I tell you, even though as a whole they are non-believers, so many are dismissing Israel becoming a nation in 1948 as grounds of a fulfillment of prophecy as a regathering. You cannot say that it's not a part of the regathering of Israel. Folks, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. We even have the church of God has a missionary that's brought in thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Jews back to the homeland. He goes after them in all four corners of the earth because there's a pool. I, I was reminded of a man that told me he was in an international airport and they got to talking to a Jewish man and he said, uh, he said, where are you heading? He said, I'm going home. He said, where's home? He said, Israel. He said, oh, you were born and raised in Israel? No, I was born in the United States. He said, uh, but I'm going home. He said, oh, so you got roots there? And he said, no, I've never been there. He said, I'm a Jew, but I don't know why, but I feel compelled, I feel drawn to go to Israel and it's my home. And they're feeling that from all over the world. Can I have an amen? But the problem is that we fail to see that the prophets spoke of about two international returns of Israel. Just like in the time of Zechariah and the time of Zerubbabel, you know when uh, they uh, returned back from the Babylonian captivities, they came back in three different waves. Can I tell you, when the Jews are regathered, they're going to be coming back in two different ways. 
And when they come back the second time, I want you to understand that when they come back through the, the, the uh, tribulation period, it's gonna, they're going to come back as a redeemed nation again. But I want you to understand prior to that in the time that we live, the first prophecy concerning the regathering, they're being regathered as unbelievers. And because they are getting ready to go through the correction of Jacob's sorrows, they're fixing to go through the tribulation and it's through the tribulation that they're going to come to a place that they're going to recognize Jesus Christ again as Messiah. Can I have an amen? God is moving his elect people, Israel, into a place for the future fulfillment of his prophecy relating to the nation coming back to him in a regenerated state. Before the tribulation, Israel mostly, we had done said, is unbelievers. They're atheists. They're agnostic. But at the end of the tribulation, all of Israel will be saved. Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, talking about Israel, lest you should be wise in your own concepts that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, what's Paul saying right there? If you just read through that, you don't have no idea what, what he's saying. Mostly, we know Israel is blinded to the gospel today. Matter of fact, when you go over there, people have told me, I've not been there. They said, man, them people can rattle off prophecies. They can show you where Jesus died. They can show him where he was raised from the dead. They can give you all the biblical counsel. They can tell you all about the stories. They can take you to Mount Moriah. They can take you on and on and on, and they know all the scripture by heart. They know it by memory, but they are agnostics, and they don't even believe in what they're telling you. They think it's just a good story. There are spiritual scales upon the eyes of most Jews. Amen? This isn't to say that there isn't any Christians or any believers in Israel because Paul said the blindness is in part. He said this blindness is in part. Can I tell you, there is a remnant still remaining today in Israel. They are called Messianic Jews. They believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But listen to what Paul wrote about in Romans 11, 1 through 5. I say then, has God cast away his people talking about Israel? God forbid. For I'm also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture saith of Elijah, how he maketh intercessory to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed the prophets, dig down thine altars, and I'm left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto them? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal or the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant, Paul says, according to the election of grace. In other words, this is what Paul's saying, that God has not cast Israel aside. He said there's still a remnant remaining, a remnant of grace and not under law. He said I myself am an Israelite. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He said among Israel there is a remnant that is still uh, uh, that is still believed. They are Messianic Jews, but as a whole, the Israel as a nation is full of unbelief and they're blinded to the truth. He says there's only a part, there's only a fraction of Israel that is saved. But notice when Israel is saved, not until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Said Israel cannot go into their true calling until the time of the Gentiles is done. Until the time of the dispensation of the church is over. The word, the word there, the phrase come in is a Greek phrase that means that Israel cannot go into their time of correction until 
the Gentiles are snatched up, caught up, brought in, or harvested. So this tells me that the Gentile church has to be out of the way before Israel can be redeemed. Can you imagine that? The church of Jesus Christ has to be raptured before the tribulation after the first gathering of the nation of Israel who are being gathered in unbelief and then this happened in 1948. They, therefore, we have to be raptured out before Israel can go into their time of correction. This is a mystery. God has gathered the Jewish people together during these latter days and he will pass them through what we call the tribulation. And it is here while in the beginning stages of the tribulation that Israel will sign a covenant with the Antichrist. There will be three and a half years of peace from the enemy known as the Antichrist. And then it'll be the first three and a half years also will be mingled with severe judgments of God being poured out. And toward the end of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, they'll recognize the Messiah and they will be regenerated. This will happen due to the desolation of abominations when Satan in the middle of the tribulation goes in to set himself up upon the throne in the temple claiming to be God. And Israel's going to see their mistake. They're going to recognize their mistake. They're going to turn to their true Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is why that Paul said in verse 26, and so all of Israel shall be saved. Did you hear that? All of Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. This hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. And can I tell you, it is then that Israel is going to evangelize the world. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands are going to be saved because there's going to be 144,000 Jews that have a seal upon their forehead. They can't even be killed. They can't do that. And they're going to go around and preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ right in the middle of the tribulation period. Why is this going to happen? I'm going to leave my notes. I'm just going to preach out of my overflow. Is that all right? This excites me more than anything. Because here's what I see about my God. And if he's doing it for Israel in a future tense and already prophesied of, what's he doing for me and you when we don't understand it? Just like when Israel is scattered to the four ends of the earth and think they are forgotten and think they are abandoned by God. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt like that God's not answering? You ever felt like God's not going to come through? Have you ever felt like your promise has been delayed? Have you ever felt like you're short of whatever thing God's promised you? Absolutely. That's what we're feeling right now with everything that's going on in America. But I tell you that God's got a plan. And I tell you that God's got a calling upon you, my brother. He's not forsaken you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. He's not walked away from you. And I tell you that the promises that he made through the better covenant of Jesus Christ upon your life, he will come through. He will not forsake you. He's going to come down and do what he's always promised that he would do. He's going to be God in the heavens. And he's going to be God of the earth. He's going to be the God of your life. And you're going to be the redeemed of the Lord and you're going to shout so you're going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living can I dance a little bit 
God looks at all Israel and says, Israel, you feel like you've been cast out. You've been scattered to the four corners of the earth. You're among the heathen. Oh, y'all are caught up in idolatry. you got scales upon your eyes you can't see. There's just a part, just a few of you that can see. I'm gathering you from the four corners of the earth. I'm gathering the unredeemed. I'm gathering the unregenerated. I'm gathering the agnostics. I'm gathering the atheists. I'm bringing them back to Israel. But I tell you, before I'm through with you, I'm going to put you through the tribulation period as a corrective rod. It's known as Jacob's trouble. It's not the church's trouble. It's it's Jacob's trouble. It's Israel's trouble. The tribulation is designed for nothing more than Israel to be corrected and be brought back to its understanding of Messiah, Messiah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I, <laughs> I said I wasn't going to preach, but I lied. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. So what's going to take place? They're gathered there in Israel to this day. Preachers are going on over there. We got missionaries over there. We support Israel. I got a missionary that I support. The church supports over there. We keep in contact with him. He's been in our services. I preached a sermon similar to this one day. And when I got done, I walked off the platform and I walked right back over there. I seen a new family. I said, man, glad to meet you. Where are you from? He said, Jerusalem. I just preached on it, you know, this very sermon. I said, Jerusalem? He said, yeah, this is my wife. Mentioned their name and stupid me. I thought, are they spiritualizing this? I said, yeah, I'm a part of Jerusalem too. I'm, a, I, I'm an heir of Christ. That makes me join heirs with Jesus Christ. And, or, and I said, you know, I'm a part of the covenant of Abraham, grafted in. He said, no, 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 you got me. I understand what you're saying. But he said, we're so-and-so. And I still didn't catch it. They said, brother, we're so-and-so. They're the missionaries I support. I've never met them. And they were here. But he said, how true your sermon was. He said, we work intensively, preach the gospel. He said, but they're blinded. He said, some of them people know the word of God inside out, upside down, more than any Christian in, in America. And yet there's scales upon their eyes. They can't see because they're stubborn, they're stiff-necked. What breaks stubbornness? The rod of correction. My dad said, if you want to be stubborn, I guarantee you I can be more stubborn and I can beat it out of you, son. Amen? The disbursement did not correct Israel. It was a judgment. He dispersed them, but it didn't correct them. God says, okay, I'm going to gather you back together. That's the first gathering, a gathering of unbelievers, a gathering of agnostics. And he said, when I gather them together, know that things are about to explode. When that takes place, you better get up. You better get ready. You better get ready as a church because what? The, disper- the, the, the time of the Gentiles is about fulfilled. You're about to get snatched out. You're about to get caught up. You're about to get raptured. Come on. You're about to go out of here. When you see Israel become a nation, know that you're at the very end. You say, Brother Miller, you, that, you can't put times a day. I didn't put times a day. Jesus did. I want to tell you how close we are to the end time. i tell you exactly how close we are. On the day of Pentecost, when they went out in the streets and, and they uh, heard everyone speaking their own language, people were speaking in tongues, and people said, they, they marveled and said, the wonderful works of God, but others mocked and said, these men be drunken. These men are drunk as they can be, and 
Oh, Peter stood up with the 11 and said, these men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joe spoke about that in the last day saith, God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and upon your sons and daughters and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams and upon my servants, I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord of the host. When did he say that would happen? In the last days. The last days begin on the day of Pentecost. That's been 2,000 years ago that the last days begun. Where does that leave us on the timetable of God? It leaves us at the very last moment, at the last call, at the midnight hour. Can I have an amen? Oh, but God says every time that a Jew gets off of an airplane or gets off of a boat or a ship, or ever how they get there. Some of them are swimming there. Some of them, they're trying to get to Israel every way they know how. But every time the old Jewish man or woman, and they don't even know why, puts their foot on the soil of Israel, that's one more step closer to us being called home. Because there's a magic number, I believe, in the mind of God. And when that magic number hits, God's going to say, well, now it's time for me to correct old Israel. I'm going to put them through Jacob's trouble. I'm going to put them through the tribulation period. They're going to be there for three and a half years before they come to their senses. But in the middle of that tribulation, when they see the abominations of desolations, they're going to come to the understanding that they've made a terrible mistake and they're going to recognize Jesus Christ as the son of the living God. They're going to say, he is Messiah. He is our Lord. They're going to accept him. And I want to tell you, they're going to declare the goodness of God in the tribulation period and they are going to fulfill what God sent them out to fulfill in the very beginning. They're going to become a priesthood unto God. God's not mocked. What he started out to do, he'll finish it the way he was wanting to finish it. If us generation ignores the call of God, God will raise up another generation to fulfill it. But it will be fulfilled and it'll be fulfilled by the people in whom he intended it for it to be fulfilled. Can I have an Amen. And in the middle of that tribulation, all of Israel will be saved. And the mantle that God put upon them from the very beginning will be put upon them again. Why? Because we're taken out of the way. We're not there. We're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're at the reward seat of Christ for seven years. woo I'm going to eat for seven years. Whoa. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Amen. But then when it's over, we're going to straddle white horses. And we're going to come down out of heaven as a bride prepared. Jesus, the commander-in-chief, is going to be in front leading the armies of heaven. And he's going to come down. He's going to set up his millennial kingdom. And we and the Jews together will merge in the common work being kingdom of priests again. What a time. I want to leave you with this thought. I had a lot more to preach. I wished I had time. If, 
Israel was in bondage to Egypt for 400 years, if Israel was in bondage and put into captivity into Babylon for 70 years, and he heard the prayers, and he came and he delivered them. You remember when God was talking about the Israelites and Egypt's bondage? I've heard your cry. Come on. And it moved the heart of God. And God loved Israel. And what did he do? He reached down in Egypt and brought a deliverer by the name of Moses and delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh. 400 years, how excited God was to bring his people out of Egypt, get them out of the bondage, take them to a promised land. Think about how eager he is to regather Israel after waiting for 2,000 years. Church, I don't want you to sit here and fret. You will not go. If you're a believer, you will not go through the tribulation period. What we're going through is known as the days of sorrow right now. It's right prior to the, it's setting up. It's setting up for the tribulation. I can't tell you the day or the hour, but I can tell you this, that we got a people of 80 years sitting there saying, you something better very hurry up or we're gonna have to live a long, long, long time before prophecy can be fulfilled. And I'm here to tell you that without a shadow of a doubt that we're seeing the rise of the Antichrist spirit like we have never seen it before. And we're seeing a world system getting put into play. We're seeing darkness come upon our earth. All I can tell you, everybody's saying, what about all these events? What about all these events? What about all these events that's taking place? All I'm gonna tell you is this. Look up, brother, because your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. We're about, to, we're about to get out of here. We're about to be snatched out, caught up. The time of the Gentile dispensation is about over. We're about done. We're about through. We can lay down our towel. We can go in our time of rest while, while Israel goes in their time of correction. We are not appointed unto wrath but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. I am not going to go through the wrath of God. The wrath of God has already been taken care of. It's been a peace because I'm justified by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary. I've already been prejudged, so I don't have to be judged in the tribulation. I'm going out of here. Would you stand with me, please? If I would have stuck to my notes, I would have butchered it because I had too much to preach on i just give you an overview. Folks, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, and all you that are heavy over what's going on, rejoice. Rejoice. Because I'm telling you, I can almost hear the Father say, get the trump ready, boys. Get your lips moistened. Get ready to blow. Amen. Right now, if you go over into Israel, there's more going on than what you can ever imagine what's going on in Israel. Things that just blow my mind that I've read, that I've studied, that I've seen all about the end time events. Have you ever noticed how that we under President Trump have been 
what we would call uh, the best allies that Israel has had with the United States for years and years. We, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem, fulfilling prophecy. The president of Israel said that he has had no better friend. Israel has had no better friend than Donald J. Trump. And as a result of it, what has happened? Christians and Donald J. Trump has been hated and persecuted more in the history of the United States by the people groups of the citizens of this nation. We're hated. Why? It's a spiritual thing. They don't even know why they hate us. Right now, there was a man going around saying the best thing that he could ever do is to uh, blow as many Christians' heads off as he can because he hates them more than he loves his own life. And he don't even know why. He don't even know why. He just hates Christians. That is the spirit of the age. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. And everybody said, well, what do we do? What do we do? I want to tell you, the enemy can do nothing unless God allows it. And I'm here to tell you we're in his way. He can't stand us because the Antichrist can't have full reign because we are what you will call the restraining force. Until he be taken out of the way, I want to tell you, talking about the church of Jesus Christ, we are the restrainer. Until we are taken out of the way, the Antichrist is bound to fulfill his agenda. Folks, they can fight us, oppose us. Many of us go before magistrates. Many of us go before judges before this thing may be over. We'll be falsely accused. We'll be lied upon. We'll be persecuted. Some of us may be imprisoned. Some of us may be whipped. I'm not saying that some of those things can't happen. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you right now, they can't take us out. They can't take us out because God is going to preserve his church until the time of the Gentiles are over. And when the time of the Gentiles are over, there's not nothing on the earth going to stop the trump from blowing. And the Gentile bride of Christ, the chosen is going to be gathered around the throne. Can I have an Amen. If you're not a Christian here this morning, I want every eye closed and every head bowed, please. If you're not a Christian here this morning or maybe you're struggling some kind of a stronghold, I want you this morning to get it under the blood right now. We need to be forgiven of our sins. We need to be pure in our hearts because God's coming after a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle or with any such thing. He wants to sanctify it by the washing of the water of the word. God is out to make his church separate. He wants a remnant church, one that it remains faithful unto God in the time of perplexing trouble. We are in the time of sorrows. No doubt about it. We are at the perilous times that Paul talked about. We are in those times of gross darkness. Yes, but I'm here to tell you, God's got a seal of the Holy Spirit upon those of us that believe. And nothing by any means can destroy us. And I'm asking you this morning, if you don't know Christ, I want you to step out right now and come down here and give your life to Christ. Right now, if you're, if you're unsure, if you're unsure, I want you to step out. Right now, step out. Step out in Jesus' name. Step out in Jesus' name. Okay, now those of you that are here with me that are believers, 
You've been fretting because things ain't happened the way you thought they would happen as you prayed. Even me. I thought God was going to do this, this, and this, and none of that came to pass. I never prophesied it come to pass, but I believed it. I believed it in my spirit, but it ain't happened the way that I thought it was going to happen. And yet, I don't understand why God didn't do it the way that I had it designed in my mind, but he didn't. But he's God. He's sovereign. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. I don't charge him foolish. I just trust him. But there's one thing Kent Miller has decided. I am a part of the redeemed. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And I want you to know I can rejoice because my name's written in heaven. And no matter what takes place, no matter what goes on, I have a promise of the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of my great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Kent Miller is going to rejoice in the midst of the dark times because every dark thing that happens upon the earth is just another fulfillment of prophecy. It's just another minute, another second, another day closer to the return of my Savior. And every time that something goes on that I don't understand, I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to lift my head and I'm going to look. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be sober. I'm going to be vigilant. And I'm going to look for my Christ to appear and redeem me from the earth. In Jesus' name. So right now, Christians, would you do something with me? Would you celebrate? Celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. Celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. I love you. I so appreciate you. And we're believing God to do something miraculous tonight. We are having Sunday night service tonight. Please come out. May the Lord bless you. May his peace be upon you. And may you believe in the promises that are about to come to pass. And may you be steadfast in your faith, unmovable, and abound in the work of the Lord until he comes. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You're dismissed.